Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Traffic. I don't know what the deal is. It's like Auburn season ended, and all of a sudden there's crazy ass traffic down here, like more so than normal. It took me forever to just get food and get back to the damn hotel. Well, it's a big day in Auburn. Uh, a lot going on there, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes, I guess. But probably just poor timing on your part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a big day in Auburn. Good call. But uh, yeah, we will touch on that. So for our listeners, welcome back to the South End Zone here on the, uh, on the Pigskin Podcast Network, brought to you by. DraftKings Sportsbook. <sighs> Eric, it's come to an end. The regular season is done. It's over with. It's a sad uh, yeah. day, but uh, still I'm a little unha- bit more to look forward to. I'm unhappy, but we I mean we have, you know, five more weeks before my, my mood really, you know, gets too down in the dumps. But <laughs> yeah, the, the light in the tunnel is getting bigger. Indeed it is. The light in the tunnel is a train. That is uh yeah, the story of my life. train is coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, before now before we get into all the highlights from Rivalry Week and the lows and the highs and some of the game results and our picks results, which, how did we do? I, I, I mean, uh, don't give me a number, just good, bad, ugly. How did we do? Uh, I'll just give you the number, 6 and 11, uh, not good. A, a step up from, it wasn't a complete disaster like, like last week. We had a couple of mm. narrow losses, Okay, uh, some just bad calls, but... Uh, yeah, you know, not great. And a couple of those losses are us doubling up, right? Like Notre Dame, Auburn. Yeah, yeah. Well, well you got to dig. We your, won. Um, well, you got to dig yourself out of the hole after a two and what was that, twenty-two week or something? Or four and twenty-two. Yeah, four and twenty-two. Got to dig yourself out of a hole there. So yeah, I mean, you know, you know, baby steps. Progress, I guess. I mean, week week twelve was a bloodbath, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, four and twenty-two last week. So went from four and twenty-two to six and eleven. Still lost money, but we can maybe, maybe afford uh, some, you know, great value white bread and bologna. Well, we're still above five hundred, or at least close to it, anyway. Yeah, but, we're, uh, we're hovering just underneath for the year. Okay. Well, yep. There you go. So about like everybody else. All right. So breaking news wise, uh, we did our coaching carousel preview last week and we touched on a lot of our candidates and we made some good calls and some bad calls and calls that i can't believe that didn't happen but either way so we're just going to run down and hit some of these coaching moves that's happened in the first and i think uh well really the first one that kind of broke out and i think probably the most significant one outside of the sec we'll we'll start there but uh matt rule Comes over from Carolina, takes the Nebraska job. What were your uh, initial thoughts on Matt Rule? You think like, you know, I mean, he's got an affinity for digging teams out of the dumpster. So can he he do it at Nebraska? Well, I think he can. So when we did that last week, Matt Rule is actually the first name I had on my list for Nebraska because of their situation and his reputation. And I ended up crossing him off. 
think uh, a couple of local beat reporters had kind of tweeted out like uh, he met and nothing was finalized. It looks like he's maybe out. They couldn't come to you know agreements on terms, contract terms. Uh, so I actually crossed them out and then and then started looking at the Kansas guys. But the two things I'm first off, I I spent like 24 hours thinking this was going to be the best hire of the off season uh, up until the next job we're about to talk about. I think that was maybe edges this one out, but I think he's a good fit. The two things I am most interested to see about Matt Rule in Nebraska is A, how quickly he can turn them around because his previous two stops, uh, his his last two reclamation projects, Temple and Baylor, they were putrid. They <laughs> yeah, were absolutely one. abysmal in his yeah. first year. The, the, the first year at those two schools, he was combined three and 21. <sighs> now, oh, man. slightly different era. And I think especially at a place like Nebraska with the resources they have. I think you can get better quicker than that. But, you know, and two points isn't much of a sample size to to draw any real meaningful conclusions on. But, you know, he goes to Temple, uh, two and 10 to six and six to 10 and four. So he's always made significant progress year to year. So he won 10 games his last two years at Temple. Uh, then he goes to Baylor. 19 and 20 record at Baylor on the surface doesn't look great. But again, the context of one and 11 to seven and six to 11 and three in a new year six bowl. Indeed. Um, so that's the first thing that I'm curious to, to find out is how quickly he can turn them around. Cause I think he will. And then the other thing in his track record is he's not at places for very long before he hops up to the next big job. Now Nebraska might be a place, you know, kind of one of those destination jobs where, hey, after four years, you know, where, where is he going to go from there? Like, there's not a whole lot of bigger jobs to go to. Uh, so he might be there a little longer than than he's used to being at a place. Um, be interesting to see, but I think he's a very good fit. Yeah, you make a great point there about him jumping to other jobs. I mean, Nebraska, that, I would think that a, a program like Nebraska at this point, as desperate as they are to win, that if he starts winning – a ton of games there, they will pay him whatever they have to pay him to stay. Yeah. And they're, and, and as it is, they're paying him handsomely. Yeah. I think most, most yeah. reports out there are eight years at 9 million per. So they clearly are, are willing to, to have him around more than his typical three or four year stop. Um, yeah. And if he can get to, you know, double digit win season by 2025, then they'll, it is, they're not going to – I think they learned their lesson from the Frank Solich, Bo Pelini yeah. uh, episodes, right? Where Hey, yeah. you know what? Nine and three, we're not going to fire you for nine and three. Yeah. Um, and Good I call. think they'll get back to that consistent nine, ten, maybe 11 win seasons. Yeah. We'll see. It'll be really interesting. But I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a good hire, uh, you know, just – on the surface, but you know, a lot of questions to be answered, different era, like you say, NIL, things like that. Now, a name we didn't even mention last week, and I can't believe we didn't mention this was Luke Fickle. Yep. Fickle takes the not. Wisconsin job, you know, and uh, this job, like before I get your opinion on it, you remember last week I said, Jim Leonard, like, as good of a defensive mind as he is, you know, if you've got these problems at Wisconsin and you promote from within, you may end up with the same problems and potentially even on a worse scale. And that's not an indictment on Jim Leonard or to say that he couldn't improve them. But in a situation like that, where you have a Luke Fickle who is willing to come to you, if you have a conversation with him, I feel like it's a much better move to get some fresh meat in there, especially one like Fickle, who the guy just, 
he wins a ton of ball games, man, everywhere he's yeah. ever been. He's been a winner. So what were your thoughts on Fickle taking the Wisconsin job? I was shocked. I mean, I, and we've talked about this in the group chat. And I think I maybe even said it on here um, once or twice, but I kind of thought that, you know, I was done being surprised by these coaching hires, you know, after last year with Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly and, and so on. And yet I found myself still surprised with this one just because I had, I guess I had done a really good job of convincing myself that Luke Fickle was never going to leave his current place for a job that was not Ohio State. Um, I just, yeah. I had that just kind of welded into my mind. Yeah. I think we all agreed on that, you know, between and, me, you and Timmy, we did. Yeah. It's just everything about his, not even just his career, everything about his life pointed to, he's not in any hurry at all to leave the state of Ohio. Right. Uh, you know, he's an Ohio state alum played there. He was an assistant there. He was, he was DC there for like six years. Yeah. Um, and it really just felt like Ohio state was the only place he would entertain leaving Cincinnati for, right. Especially given what he's built Cincinnati into. Well, that and the fact that they were joining a Power Five conference, you know, right. it's it, you know, it's like okay, well, now you're not a Group of Five team; you're going to the Power Five. But that Big Twelve money versus that Big Ten money, it's just not even comparable, man. Yeah, that's true. And I know when the Nebraska job opened, a lot of people thought fickle, and I was like, man, I don't see him leaving what he's built at Cincinnati to go start over at Nebraska, right? Even with yeah. the the money and the resources and all that. So I, I was surprised, but if you're Wisconsin and you have you get a chance to get that guy, you do it. I, I agree there. You just but, do. I mean, do, what kind of offense do you think he's going to run? Because, I mean, that, at Cincinnati, it was pretty high-flying there for, you know, a lot of years. Guys like Desmond Ritter slinging it all over the field. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense he runs up there. I, I'm really interested to see that. It, it's going to depend on whose quarterback is. Because when he did not have Desmond Ritter, it was a lot more run out of mm-hmm. kind of traditional spread RPO-type formations. But, you know, and at a place like Wisconsin – they're similar to Nebraska and that they have an identity that they want to stick to of good defense, run the ball, right? Pound it, pound it, pound it. And yeah, he probably will do something like that. Well, he doesn't have the, the, the unfortunate part of this for Luke fickle is that he doesn't come in with the sort of free pass to the conference championship every year. If he turns them into a formidable team now, because the division play is going away and right. You know, he's not going to be able to avoid, you know, Ohio State or Michigan pretty much every year, except for, you know, once every three to four seasons. So, yeah, chances are he's going to get one of them every year and then the other one every other year. Yeah. Um, And that's so that. So that is tougher, you know, to take over a situation like that. But I, I think it'll be a pretty quick turnaround in Wisconsin because they're not that far off from being a good football team. They just, yeah, it's not like they completely plummeted. They no, I mean, they, they're bowl eligible, right? Didn't they finish six and six? I believe so. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's, they're not that far off, man. And it, I think defensively with Leonard there, I don't really see much of a defensive drop off, but if man, if he can make them even better on defense and sort of turn around that offense and, you know, maybe hit the portal pretty hard and maybe find a quarterback, then, and a receiver or two, then I think they could uh, make a really quick turnaround yeah. depending on their schedule. I haven't looked at their schedule next year. I haven't uh, looked at that. I haven't but. either. I mean, I, I know we can find, if we looked, we can find at least who their opponents are, which games yeah. are home, which are away, as far as how it lines up, if, you know, backloaded or you mm. know, their three toughest opponents in a row or whatever. I don't think that's available yet. Yeah, we'll we'll certainly uh, dive into that once the off season rolls around, and uh, when we do some new faces, new places uh, for next off season. 
Uh, now, one of the more surprising moves, I guess, to a lot of people, not surprising to me at all, because I had this guy on my preseason hot seat list. Now, and your midseason. He, and my midseason, yes. Now, he did not get fired as far as we know. As far as we know, he resigned and said, it's just, he just came out and said, it's time for me to go. Uh, and that is David Shaw. He is out at Stanford. He has resigned his position effective immediately. And Stanford, without a football coach now, he retires as the winningest coach in Stanford football history. So, you know, a lot of good years there for Shaw. I would wager that, you know, he's a really good TV guy, has a really good, you know, so I would wager that he either goes to the NFL or he takes some time off and does some TV you know, and then decides whether or not he wants to get back into coaching. I, I think he'd be fantastic on TV. I, I know I've watched some of the draft coverage that he's he's been in on over the years. Oh he's, yeah, he's he, he's a really sharp guy. He oh yeah he he knows a ton about NFL teams too. Like I heard yeah. him breaking down some NFL teams recently, and I was going, "Fuck, man!" Is he, I think he's watching more NFL than he is like of his own opponent's game film. Uh, you get that feeling sometimes watching them play. Uh, I believe he was an assistant in the league prior, um, but he, I think he would be great on TV. He's, he's a really sharp guy and he does a great job of explaining, explaining things. So people who aren't coaches understand what he's saying and not a lot of coaches do that. Um, so yeah. And uh, you know, he's right a lot because he is so bright. Uh, and in this case he was right. It was time for him to go. It was, it really had run its course. They're fourteen and twenty-eight their last four years. So yeah, he had he had a he had a good run. He had five double-digit win seasons, but the last of those was in twenty sixteen. Like it, yeah. there was no real reason to think he was going to turn it around. It had kind of gone too far downhill. Well, the transfer portal really did them in. It, it really yeah. did. When you know you can't because I mean we've talked about this a little bit before where uh, Stanford can't take grad transfers. You know, because those kids can't get into grad school at Stanford. And so even their own kids, their own players can't stay and play for their own team because they can't get into grad school. So they right. they got guys who out. have to transfer. They're like, oh, yeah. I, have, I, have, I have a year of eligibility left, but I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to transfer. So it, it's really difficult. And I don't, I mean, until I see Stanford change their ways and you know, make some kind of change where those players like that can get into grad school, then I just don't like I would be I would be more apt to bet that Stanford will just stop playing football before they change their ways in that department. They will. But, uh, football doesn't mean enough to them. Maybe and maybe it shouldn't at a place like Stanford. Uh, they're not gonna Which relent. is pretty mind blowing considering they were paying Shaw nine million. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's, that's just that's, that's wild. Uh that Stanford's a place where that's not Oh, a lot to them. That's true. Uh, and speaking of not a lot, uh, there's not a lot going for Arizona State right now, but they did get a new head coach and yep. a nice call by you. It was. Calling, calling Kenny Dillingham, the Oregon offensive coordinator, who is an Arizona State alum. He, uh, 32 years old, is leaving the offensive coordinator position at Oregon to take the Arizona State head coaching job. And I got to tell you, Eric, he's got his work cut out for him. He man. Does. They're, pro- they're probably facing some level one infractions here pretty yep. quick, I would imagine. So I, I don't know. Young guy, maybe he can work the portal pretty hard. Maybe he can get some players in there, but he's got a really tough uphill battle. He's going to have to work the ho- portal hard initially because 
Yeah, and, and the NCAA doesn't do anything real quick. He's he's probably got a season or two. Yeah. Um, at least to get off to a good start before those scholarship reductions show up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. Did you catch any of his press conference? I did not. I have not watched it yet. I, I watched okay. Hugh, Hugh Freeze's today. I watched a couple of others, oh, but uh, yeah, we'll get to Hugh. Um, <laughs> I, I was really. I think he, you know, in doing well at Arizona State is kind of a sliding scale. Um, I think they did as good as they possibly could given their circumstance. They got a guy who was really passionate about that area, that city, that school, that program. Uh, He was, you said he was an alum. He was also an assistant there. He was an offensive assistant for a couple Mm -hmm. of years. He was a grad assistant before he went off to uh, Auburn as the OC and put up 33 points a game. And then he did two years at Florida State with Mike Norvell before he went to Oregon. He's also at Memphis with Norvell um, as well. They're going to get his best effort, and he does have his work cut out for him. I think that's the kind of guy you want in that situation, though, right? You you don't want you need. Like, yeah, you don't you don't want some dude who has no ties to the program or what have you. You want someone who actually gives a shit and wants to dig this place out of a hole because you care about the university, not just because you want a bigger paycheck somewhere. Right, and that's kind of why he I sort of zeroed in on him as my most likely candidate is because I kind of felt like he was the most likely person to take the job. That that's not a real attractive job for a lot of established guys, given what they're facing. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads, like, "Oh, yeah, thirty-two years old, Power Five head coach." Huh? I'm like, "Well, there's a little context there. You know, you need to acknowledge, right? Like Bronco Mendenhall is not going to go take this job. <laughs> right? Matt Rule Probably. is not going to go take this job, right? Because they're going to get hammered. So they need someone who cares enough about that place and that program to be willing to stick it out." And a guy who's looking for his his shot, his first shot, um, and he kind of fit that bill. So, uh, for once, Ray Anderson and I are on the same page. <laughs> Can't believe that guy still has a job, but he's got to have some dirt on somebody. But uh, all right, so a couple of other uh, notable coaching hires here that we'll get into before we talk about Hugh Freeze to Auburn, because unless you've been living under a rock. Uh, Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze is now taking the job at Auburn. But uh, some some others, uh, notable ones here that I kind of pointed out in the group chat before the show, uh, Willie Fritz has decided to stay at yep. Tulane after being rumored to the Georgia Tech position. Yeah, he was actually and, reported uh, yeah. to be you know, like finalizing. So however that happened, whether it's an erroneous report or like cold feet at the last minute, yeah, who knows? And people throw shit at the wall and whatever sticks, sticks. But uh, Brent Key is going to stick. They are going to stick with him and promote him from interim coach and give him the head job. So mm-hmm. I I think Georgia Tech's got so many challenges that they're just going to continue to be bad. I don't really see them making some kind of big jump under Brent Key. Maybe they you know, become at least a competitive team yeah. instead of just a complete dumpster fire. And I think that's really their ceiling. It probably is. And I think they became that right after he took over. They There was a small jump from Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech, to Brent Key, Georgia Tech, over the course of the year. They, I think he went four and four, I believe, as the interim. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Jeff Collins never won four games in a season. <laughs> so, and, and I think there's kind of shades of Dillingham in this, right, where you get a guy who has demonstrated that he's he's passionate about that program and that school and that place and he wants to be there and at georgia tech i don't know that you necessarily have as many options as yeah it's like nebraska yeah. or wisconsin so yeah. uh you know and, and maybe he can get them to 
you know, I, I think getting them to six and six next year will be a big step for Georgia Tech. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if they can get to be where they're bowl eligible, at least semi-consistently again, that would be a big win because I don't think Georgia Tech's alumni base and their boosters really expect much more than a bowl berth. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's sort of what they aim for. And they were bowl eligible for a long time under guys like Paul Johnson and others. So, you know, it just if they get back to that, to where they're a tough-ass team to play, that would be good. Now, speaking of tough-ass teams – Auburn is typically a tough-ass team to play year in and year out. Some years they're down. Some years they're really elite. Well, they got a pretty elite coach, I think, in Hugh Freeze, and Lane Kiffin does his best to you know, leverage a contract extension out of Ole Miss. Good for him. He's making $9 million now, so the bidding war paid off for him. But I think it's a good move for Kiffin to stay where he is, and we've talked that plenty on this show. Mm-hmm. Now, initial reactions to this, Eric, I'm not going to lie. I was surprised that the SEC sort of welcomed him back. Yeah. Although I am not surprised that Auburn was willing to hire him. They pretty no. much will. They will hire anybody they, who they think a can lot. help them win. They, yeah. There is a lot that they will look past. Um, yeah. You know, if, if Charles Manson had two lifetime victories over Saban, I'm not convinced <laughs> that being Charles Manson is enough to not hire him. <laughs> not a hundred percent convinced. I, I think it's unlikely still, <laughs> right? Cause there's a lot of stuff to work around, right? As far as like imprisonment, but yeah. um, that's, oh, boy, you know, oh, boy. And, and that's really, that, that's what it comes down to because he, he was, he was 37 and 25 at old miss. Mm-hmm. Not terrible, but that doesn't blow all of, the wind up my skirt um and 27 of those wins got vacated anyways because he broke every rule imaginable um, which most of those rules now are legal a, a lot of them don't exist anymore yeah the, the escort thing is questionable <laughs> yeah now that still <sighs> probably, illegal probably still against the rules yeah that i would think is still uh illegal i think it's a federal law so um <sighs> I'm, I'm really just most interested interested to see now whether or not auburn can become the university of residual income because God knows how much money Hugh freeze has made me over the last three seasons at Liberty and, you know, a little bit down this year, but man, the last two seasons I have just cleaned up betting on Liberty. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I don't, as far as I I just can't imagine this ending. Well, I I, I mean, the guy's track record is his track record and I don't want to, you know, yes, he, he can, he can put together an offense and he can go out there and he can win you football games. I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to put this delicately. Um, Don't put it delicately. Just say it like it is. That's what this show is for. I think he's a piece of shit. Like, I think he is a garbage (laughs) ass person. Um, Well, it it does bring it into question. You know, he leans so hard into the, I gave my life to Christ. I know. Type stuff. And so, you know, you're like, you can't attack him. Like you just can't, you can't be like, you're a piece of shit anymore. Even uh, though what you did before well, that's the problem. That's why people like him lean on that crutch and use it as a shield, right? Because then it's, you can't you can't point out their shitty person behavior. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, you know blah, 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 the Bible says give us a second chance, but you know that doesn't. <laughs> yes, it doesn't it does. absolve you. Yeah, it, it so doesn't I mean that know. didn't happen. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I I just people can't change. I'm not saying that he can't change, and maybe he is legit. And maybe, you know, he's turned it around 
and he's a better person and maybe, all of the above. Maybe he has. Generally speaking, the people that are that in your face about it do not. Is my Well, thought. Auburn is the college football content machine that just keeps continuing to pump out yeah. college football content for free. Yeah. And, or, or they're going to be providing for a couple of years with this Yahoo. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, <laughs> selfishly, I kind of hope that, you know, the content continues to come, but for him and for Auburn fans, I do hope that it turns out well for them. And frankly, even as an Alabama fan, I like when Auburn's good because it makes the iron bowl more interesting. It makes football more interesting when Auburn is good, man. Like nobody wants to go play those fuckers in Jordan, Jordan hair. Like uh, sure. And and don't get me wrong. He's going to win football games there. They will be better than they were this year. hundred percent. I get all that. I'm just saying there's a shelf life on hiring a guy like that. Yeah. Even with NIL, I just, I can't shake the feeling it's going to end poorly. Well, we will see. We will see, but he will get going immediately. I would imagine he'll hit the portal really hard. And, you know, Robbie Anderson, I could see Hugh Freeze making something out of him. You know, if he can. Robbie, uh, oh, Ashford, yeah. Or Robbie Ashford. Yeah, sorry. I said Anderson. Robbie Ashford. He, you know, I could imagine he makes something out of him. You know, if he can get some receivers down there for him to throw to and maybe work on his mechanics a little bit. Because, I mean, uh, uh, Freeze's offense is not one of those offenses where you have to read the defense, really. Right. You know, it's kind of just a choice one, choice two. And if choice one or two isn't there, tuck it and run. You know, so it's the guy made Malik Willis into a second-round draft pick. So, Right. Yeah, there's no – Okay, are they in man? Are they in zone? Are they in cover two? Is this guy kind of, there's just snap. Okay, is this guy open? No. Is this guy open? Yes, throw. Yeah, pretty much. So, so thank you. I'll simplify some things. And uh, I still like him to be able to run the ball pretty well. So, but, you know, we'll see. That'll, their uh, preseason Vegas win total will be really interesting. But uh, is there any other coaching news before uh, we run through the picks review real quick uh, oh i did want to um, ask you i did want to ask you one question okay who gets the cincinnati job i don't know that was my i actually meant to ask you who who get who do you think stanford goes after um cincinnati job is tough i don't know that they don't you dare say urban meyer no i can't <laughs> oh god i can't imagine um you know, because two years ago this would have been easy. I just said, "Oh, their defensive coordinator will just move up." Uh, Marcus Freeman. Well, he's he's moved on. He's. I'll throw you. A, I'll throw you a name out and see what you think about it. Okay. Guy doing TV right now, Tom Herman. Uh, they could do a hell of a lot worse than him. Yeah, Cincinnati going to the Big Twelve now. Herman's yeah. recruited that area. He's been in Texas. He's been in Houston. He's mm-hmm. familiar with the Big Twelve footprint recruiting. He's had a lot of success at Houston, and I mean at Ohio State as their OC. So, I mean, you know, you, you got to believe that uh, who better to lead a team like Cincinnati into a Big 12 transition, which is, you know, going to be, I would say, no less than three to four wins more difficult per season than the ACC or AAC. Uh, yeah, probably four. I think four is yeah. a good number. Yeah. Three. So, I mean, I would say you'll have four more games that are, you know, losable. losable. Yeah. than you would in the AAC as a team like Cincinnati. So Herman would be my vote there to lead a team like Cincy into the Big 12 personally. But we'll see who they hire. I don't know. All right. So let's run through the picks review here really quick because we are running right up against the break here. Okay. 
Uh, real quick. So I'll just go over the, uh, there's a couple that we both hit on that we agreed on that, that hit. That was a uh, Auburn plus 22 and a half. They lost by 22. Oh uh, yeah. We took K state minus 10 and a half. They demolished, well not demolished. They beat Kansas by 20, but they were, they were up multiple scores for the majority of the game. Uh, Baylor at Texas, we were split on. You took, uh, I took Baylor plus the points and then you laid eight and a half with Texas and they went by nine. So good call there. Uh, I was over 46 and a half on Tulane at Cincy for the kind of an AAC play-in game. That hit, but we both took Cincy minus two and a half. That did not because they lost by three. Uh, the Egg Bowl, I had Old Miss minus two and a half. You were on over 58 and a half. That was two misses. We both mm-hmm. missed on Nebraska at Iowa under 38 and a half. Uh, Nebraska somehow put up 24 points on these guys. And... Somehow just, gave up just, 17 to Iowa. Just thumped them. Like, I yeah. mean, it, it was 24 to what, three or something at one point? It, it, it was. Just, they got, they jumped away. They hit a, they hit a couple of long passes and they, I think they were up 20, 17 nothing. Uh, when I kind of looked and I didn't check back again till late. Yeah. Uh, I was on Oregon minus three and a half. They kind of gave that one away. They were up 34 to, I think, 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, late in the third quarter, they lose 38-34. Give up 21 unanswered. Um, yeah, they fell apart there at the end of the game. It was ugly. Yeah. Notre Dame did not come through for us. You were on the money line at plus 168, and I had them yeah. plus five and a half. Yeah. And they lose by 11. Uh, we didn't have any plays on Iowa TCU. We both backed off of that one, but I did take under 56 and a half for Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, 45-23. So that went over early in the fourth quarter. And then yeah. Michigan scored a couple more times just to rub my face in it. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, get to some of the uh, game reviews here on the other side of the break because I I do think it uh, warrants some of these games definitely warrant us uh, discussing because there's just some really interesting results from Rivalry Week and I want to give Rivalry Week its due and some of these conference uh, championship previews aren't going to take but a minute anyway so. All right. Well, so I'm going to go ahead and take a quick second before we get into our last pick and tell you guys about our sponsor, which is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And this is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season, and I love doing the same game parlays. Uh, They've got easy and fast payouts. You know, they've got lots of different options, player props, all kinds of things that you could bet on. So right now, new customers can bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and place the same-game parlay and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, player props, point totals, etc. And the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger the sh- your shot to win big. So... I always like to play multiple parlays. You know, I throw out a five or six leg parlay every week. And sometimes it pays off for me. Sometimes it doesn't. But man, when those do hit, there's no better feeling than knowing you bet, you know, whatever it may be, five bucks and you end up winning 50 or 60. Or, you know, if you're a big better and you throw down 50 bucks and you win five or 600, it's just, it's a really good, uh, fun time when those actually hit. So, so hopefully you've hit a couple of those this year or you're willing to lay down some cash on the NFL games this weekend and hit one or two. 
Uh, but now to hit any of those, the first thing you got to do is you got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code TPPN. That is the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. And then you got to place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Now, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply there, so check out our show notes for those details. All right, Eric. So now that we got that out of the way, uh, we're going to run through and talk about some of these games here, some of the more interesting uh, matchups of the week and some thoughts on some of these teams. You know, their season is now over and they are, you know, waiting on a bowl game or they might be waiting on a New Year's Six game. But we'll we'll get to the teams that are in conference titles momentarily. We will talk about a couple, though. Uh, first one was Thursday night, the Egg Bowl. Now, did you get a chance to watch Mike Leach finish the season eight and four? I did not because I was watching the Vikings. They happened to be playing ah, yeah. game that night. You were watching the Vikings. Well, I'm going to tell you, it was a really <laughs> – man, I, I was surprised that it was as low scoring as it was. But uh, Mississippi State, man, they just – they scored 10 points in the fourth. They put them away and really impressive finish to the season and not so impressive finish to the season for uh, Ole Miss. No, they but they when start they're out three or four. Yeah, they, they were eight and one and they oh, finished eight and four. So it's uh, not great. But I do think looking to next year that Ole Miss will be better than they were this year. I think they've got a lot coming back. So, you know, the Portal King, he'll be back. But uh, good season for Leach, man. If you go eight and four at Mississippi State, you can stay there forever. Well, you should know that. But moving to Friday, man, Florida, Florida State. Mm-hmm. This game's, lo- game's lost a little bit of luster. Florida is bowl eligible, but man, Florida State. I mean, this is a high scoring affair, but, yeah. uh, you know, it. the score is not really indicative of how you know, dominant Florida State was for a large stretch of this game. They scored, they outscored them 17 to nothing in the third quarter. And so it just kind of, it kind of got away from Florida there at the beginning of the second half. And man, Jordan Travis, if that dude played all season, like he played this week, he would be like a Heisman candidate. Yeah, he's, I mean, and as it is, he's got really good numbers on the year. Um, He won't be probably considered because they have lost the three games. Yeah. Um, But he he did some pretty impressive stuff the other night. I don't send he, the he man showed, to New York, you cowards. Send yeah, him. Boy, he made a whole lot out of nothing a handful <sighs> of times. And oh man, they had him dead to rights on some of them runs, and he'd just yeah. squeak out and then just make an unbelievable that touchdown run that he made. He broke like four tackles in the backfield. Yeah, they I they should have had him sacked at the twenty seven. And yeah. It, crazy. I mean, the dude, he looked like Johnny football running yeah. around out there. That's what it made me think of. It was like Johnny Manziel. I was like, good God, man, this dude. And as long as he comes back, man, I feel like Florida State going to be a force to deal with next year in the ACC. I, my, he hasn't said either way. I mean, he obviously he has eligibility left. I think he might actually have two years. But uh, my, my suspicion is he will come back. Um, yeah. And if they can get him back and uh, Trey Benson, who is, I think, probably their best running back, mm-hmm. although they have three that they can kind of mix and match in that are all very good. Uh, the big one is going to be Jared Verse, the the D lineman. He's draft eligible. He would probably be a late first rounder if he came out. My suspicion is he'll go, but boy, if they could get him back, that would be huge as well. So I think well, they're the set up really well. And, and Norville has done a really good job the last two years of filling spots 
via yeah. the portal. So I think they'll, yeah. they're going to have much higher expectations going into next year than they have had in probably seven seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And if they can get one or two more playmakers on the outside and then bolster the offensive line a little bit, I think they'll be really good, really yeah. good next year. So uh, touching on a couple of more Friday games here. We talked about Tulane and Cincinnati. Tulane wins that. They go 10-2, and two, get a bid to the American uh, title. And let's see. We had a take on Baylor and Texas. You know, I, Texas finishes 8-4. and four. Good for them. Baylor, pretty uh, massive underachievement this year, considering where they were last year to 6-6 six and six this year. Not great, yeah. Bob. So I, no major takeaways there. You know, good for them that they're bowl eligible, but Texas pretty much dominated the whole second half. It's kind of a beat down. So yeah. which is, which is really different for them. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I Arch Manning. You gotta wonder, Arch Manning or Ewers next year. That's gonna be a really interesting off season conversation. Uh it is. It's not gonna be Hudson Card because he <laughs> no. he went into the portal tonight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hudson Card is not gonna be there. So all right. So Saturday. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the Iron Bowl? I watched um, most of it, actually, because I was following along to see if if Auburn could keep it within 22 and a half. Mm. Well, I got to say, I know this is uh, really no bearing on conference championships or playoffs, but I got to say, that's the best offensive game Bill O'Brien has called all season, and it's not close. They were running jet sweeps. They were running screens. They were actually running the football. They ran 64 offensive plays. 34 of them were runs. And that, I mean, it it was really mind-blowing to see Bryce Young only throw the ball 30 times. And he threw for 300-plus yards. And Alabama rushed for a buck 76 on the ground and a bunch of touchdowns. It, it's pretty mind-blowing that Bill O'Brien was willing to do that. And maybe it's a scheme thing. And they said, you're not going to beat us throwing the ball, and we're going to force you to run it and see if you can beat us running the ball. I don't know. But some of that game was like a master class in play calling by Bill O'Brien. So if he were to call every game like that, I'd be happy if he stayed. You kidding me? Yeah, it looked like they had a little more variety sort of in the first quarter and a half than than I and I haven't watched a ton of Alabama. I know you've obviously you've watched more than me, but yeah, there is a little more of a mixed bag first quarter and a half, two quarters. Um, and then they did, they leaned on the run a lot, right? When they're up multiple scores in the second half, like you would expect. So, right. Yeah. It was like I say, man, I, I'll be anxious to see what Bill O'Brien decides to do. If he decides to go to the NFL or maybe take one of these jobs like a Cincinnati or something, but, uh, man, if he calls every game like that, I'll be happy for him to stay. I never thought I would say that at any point during the season. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see that. I'm, good thing I'm sitting down. But uh, let's get to the big one here, Michigan and Ohio State. Speaking of teams running it down teams' throats, Michigan just does it again, absolutely just keeps hitting Ohio State in the mouth until they just can't take any more of it. And they yeah. pull away with 21 fourth-quarter points. Ohio State only scores three points in the second half. It's just, man, like a physical beatdown in the second half of this game, man. So kudos to Harbaugh and Michigan for a dominant victory in the shoe, no less. Yeah. yeah, you look at their their final rushing total and you kind of consider like where they were at running the ball midway through the second quarter. I think they had 10 yards on the ground. Now, they were in the game at that point because they hit a lot of, not a lot, they hit two or three long pass plays um, 
and that was really kind of the thing that stuck, stood out to me was, and I even said it in the group chat, like, man, if they can't run the ball, they're in trouble. Cause I don't think, and I think Ohio state, they certainly played defense. Like they also thought that JJ McCarthy is not going to beat them throwing the ball and he beat them badly throwing the ball. So, yeah. Uh, and then it became a little more of the, Hey, there's a tackle over here and there's a tackle over there. And there's three large human beings in between those two guys and somewhere <laughs> right in that area, I'm going to hand the ball off and I'm just going to run the ball straight down your gullet. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, even when they stack the box, it's okay, well, now you have no one in the back end, right? Make one guy miss and Donovan Edwards goes 70 yards. Yeah. So it or, really, really or got JJ McCarthy hand. just drops back and hits a wide open dude. For you know, they had Michigan had like what eight plays of over sixty yards, and it's uh, just like think, massive explosion. Yeah, I think it was like five, five or six plays of fifty nine yards or more, or something crazy like that. Something you would not expect from a Michigan team. From Michigan, yeah, yeah. And w- my favorite part of this is that they did all this without their best offensive player. Mm-hmm. Blake Corm didn't even play. He well, came he, out, ran like two plays. I think, yeah, I think he, he had done. two carries. I think, yeah, were, there was one that where it's, he he gets it and he's going kind of sort of off tackle to the left, and mm-hmm. he does that little jump cut that he does so well. Where you know he was there, now he's three feet to this side, and and he's accelerating, and he just he didn't look like the same guy. It was very no. he didn't look comfortable, and then he he was not back in there, and you start to think, ooh, they might be in trouble, and then they start chucking it, and they start having success chucking it. So I, I don't know. Ohio, Ohio State has some some soul searching to do because they lost this game because they got just physically dominated in the second half, uh, yeah. just like last year. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It looked exactly like last year, where in the second half Michigan just mauls them. And I think it's a testament to Michigan's offensive line. We talked about it before the season that they had the best offensive line in the country, and I think they proved it once again. Donovan Edwards goes for two sixteen on the ground on twenty two carries. Now, aside from those explosive plays, Ohio State did do a pretty good job of slowing them down for the most part. Yeah, but you just can't was, give up. You can't give up that five, many. Yeah, yeah, you can't give up five touchdowns of sixty yards or more. You just can't. So, <sighs> I don't know, man. Ohio State still has a shot to get in the playoffs if some dominoes fall right for them. We'll see. I think Alabama's in the same boat as them, but I'm not really going to speculate on playoffs much. I think that's just. We'll see. There, it will know on Sunday. Uh, TCU left no doubt. Crushes Iowa State, sixty-two to fourteen, just a complete and utter just destruction. It was twenty-four to nothing in the first quarter. No reason to discuss that. They are twelve and zero. Fantastic first season for Sonny Dykes. Big kudos to that guy. LSU took themselves out of the playoffs conversation by giving yeah. up thirty-eight points to the worst fucking offense in the SEC. Yeah, I got nothing. I, I didn't watch any of that. I was just kind of following along the score in the group chat thinking, ah, yeah, LSU will kind of turn it on like they have a number of times this year. Yeah. Never did. No, no. Classic looking ahead to Georgia, I think. Yeah, I think you know, so. They just, we don't care. We're still going to the SEC title. Uh, we talked about USC. They uh, Notre Dame could not stop them, and Notre Dame could not score enough points. You know, it just the first quarter was the difference in the game, really. Uh, you know, USC jumped out to a 10 nothing lead and Notre Dame never caught up. So another interesting, I guess, result to the week. How about Shane fucking Beamer? Yeah. Going eight and four and closing out the year with two top 10 victories. Mm-hmm. One South on Carolina the road. goes into Clemson 
and beats them 31 to 30. Man. Yeah. I didn't actually, I caught like the last two, three or four minutes of that game, I think. Well, you saw the play that sealed it for them. Yeah. Special the, teams, the, Beamer the, ball. Yeah. Punt return fumble. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah. I guess going to Clemson and winning a game and then beating Tennessee by how I think it was 20 something, right? Tennessee got a, a touchdown yeah. late to get it under 30. Yeah. Really, really good finish for them. I don't think anyone saw eight wins coming for them with that schedule. No. Because we talked about it in the previews. Like their schedule looks like it was written by someone who wants Shane Beamer to get fired. Like, (laughs) yes. So, and it didn't work. It was not good. Not good. Spencer Rattler goes for 360, a couple of scores, just looked really, really good again, especially in the second half. They were slinging it all over the field. So I don't know, man. Uh, Things are looking up for Shane Beamer, but uh, I think as long as he's going eight and four, they'll. You know, may, I think they'll remain fairly pleased with his work. Yeah. So, um, so let's get into the conference title previews here. So, uh, just running them down really quick for those of you who are casual listeners, or this might be your first time listening, or just maybe you're busy and you haven't had time to look. Uh, USC is facing Utah due to Washington beating Washington State. It eliminated Oregon from contention, so Utah is going to the Pac-12 title to face USC, uh, Kansas State uh, secured their conference title bid, and they will face TCU. Coastal Carolina will face Troy in the Sun Belt. And in the American, you have UCF and Tulane. And then the SEC, we all know, is LSU-Georgia. Clemson will face North Carolina. And Purdue, good call, Timmy, manages to win the West, and they are going to be the sacrificial lamb against Michigan. Yes. So, and the line reflects that. Yes, it does because good God, it's oh, 16 and a half. All right. So, uh, Eric, let's start on Friday, which is the Pac 12 title game. This is in Las Vegas in the Raiders' new stadium. So, uh, pretty interesting there. The Mormons are heading to Sin City to play against uh, Lincoln Riley and his uh, squad of transfers and uh, USC. After losing to Utah in the regular season by, what was it, a point? It was a point. Two? Yeah, they, Utah yep. went for two. Yeah, 43-42, I believe, something like that. So so USC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite here on a neutral field, and the total is 66-and-a-half. Man, I, I got to be honest. I, I don't know that Utah can beat them twice. I mean, are you yeah. kind of thinking the same way that I am there? I, I am. Um I'm just trying to decide if I think it'll be closer than a field goal or not. I would probably, after having seen the last couple of USC games, I think they are playing better uh, since that game against Utah. They looked fantastic the other night against Notre Dame. Um, I think I would take USC and lay the points because I, I think they're a good enough team that they're, you know, it's tough to beat a good team twice, uh, kind of the old axiom. Uh, and getting them on a neutral field and out of rice cycles. I think that's an edge, and Caleb Williams looks like the best player in the country right now. So uh, all those things considered, I, I will lay the two and a half with USC. Mm. Well, I'm not going to touch the point spread here. I, I would rather uh, head towards the total. I think I'm going to take the over 66 and a half here because I do still think that Utah will score points, especially indoors. You know, it's going to be good weather indoors. So I don't think, you know, any kind of weather will affect Utah's offense like it might have if this game were outside in Utah. Cause you know, used to the, 
you know, the team with the best conference record or the better head-to-head hosted the Pac-12 title, but now being in a neutral site in a dome, obviously weather not going to affect that. So I'm going to take USC and Utah over 66 here because I think this game, USC's offense is a fucking laser show right yeah, now. It is. And they cannot stop anybody. Notre Dame's offense is a trash can. We've known that most of the season. You know, they did play better against some down competition, teams like Boston College and things like that. But, you know, they came up against a real team the other day. And one thing that surprised me about USC is how well they ran the ball without Travis Dye. You know, they they pounded it right down Notre Dame's throat. And that's a little bit worrisome for me, given that Utah's run defense this year has not been good. So Utah's one of those teams you, you just – you can never count them out. So I'm not going to touch the point spread, but I'll take the over and say that it's going to be fair. I, I, I could see both of these teams getting into the mid thirties here and, you know, potentially one of them getting in the forties. I don't know. We'll see, but let's move on to Saturday and touch the 11 o'clock hour or well, the 12 o'clock hour, excuse me on the noon slate. So we got to hit this one. We got to get back on the noon slate. Yeah. <laughs> so Kansas state TCU, uh, same point spread here. TCU is laying two and a half here. And this game is, let's see, where's the Dr. Pepper big 12 championship. Is it in Dallas? Yeah. It's in Jerry world. It's in Jerry world. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is right in TCU's backyard. It here. is. I think it's like 12 miles from there. Yeah. Campus. Yeah. So it's right there in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, but TCU laying two and a half and the total is 61 and a half, uh, over. Yeah, I think so. Um, last time they played, Adrian Martinez went out during this game and Will Howard came in and he's played more, more or less he's played steadily since then and improved. So I'm not going to, I'm going to leave the the spread alone and I'm just going to say over the 61 and a half. Yeah. Uh, less than a field goal is a little too close for me here to take either team because I, if I was going to pick the spread, I would be more apt to pick Kansas state to cover if it gets up to three, and let's say, you know, that's a good question. Can I get a three somewhere here? No. I can get a two. I can get two and a half or two. It's yeah, the best two, I can get. Two's not helpful. So, no. I mean, if I'm betting TCU, but I just, man, I, I can't. It would not shock me to see Kansas State win this game. I mean, would it you? I mean, no, it's, no not at again, all. this is one of those things. It's tough to beat a team twice, man. Well, they were they, they were favored against K-State by nine or nine and a half, and they were up by three late. And then they got a, you know, K-State jumped off sides, got a three a free play, and uh, just sort of chucked it up towards the front pylon, caught it, scored. So, you know, they won by 10, a little bit misleading. Um, this is <laughs> yes. all like under a minute to go. They're trying yeah. to trying to bleed the clock. Um, yeah, I think there was 34 seconds left when yeah. Quentin Johnson caught that touchdown, and it was not in hand at that point, I mean, it, you right? Because I think, I think that might have been like third down. Um, I think it was third or fourth down. Yeah, I mean, it was a they were there was a chance they were not in field goal range. So yeah, and they was, were they were going to have to give the ball back, right? Um, and so you know, it was a long shot, but I mean, yeah, it, it was to, a damn close game the whole time. It, it was, and gun to my head, if I had to pick the spread, I would take K State plus two and a half. But I don't feel confident enough either way on that. I do yeah. think that both teams will get into the 30s, though. So I'm going to take over 61 and a half. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I would just take the over there. And as far as the game breakdown, selfishly, as an Alabama fan, I hope TCU loses. <laughs> but I'm not even sure that losing to number 12 would drop them below two loss Alabama. I don't know. So 
for TCU fans, I do hope they win and get in and, you know, whatever. But Kansas State, man, Will Howard, I think, is better than Adrian Martinez. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's, actually he's a, looked better. Than, I think they're actually in a better spot than they were, you know. If he'd have played that whole game, maybe things would have been different. And TCU, let's not forget, they, you know, they've been uh, pretty banged up here lately. And I know they dropped 62 on Iowa, but that's kind of misleading. There were some pick sixes in that game, things like that. That it just like if you look at the stat line, it's not all that different, you know. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I know they were missing guys during the Baylor game uh, the week before. So who who who's out there playing is going to go a long way in deciding that. Indeed, and Kansas State can play a little defense. So it'll be really interesting to see if they can get in Duggan's face and make some things happen there. Because if you know TCU is one of those teams that's kind of built to play from behind because they've got those big dudes out wide. But, uh, man, if K-State comes in there and they can run the ball, it's going to give TCU some problems. So we'll see. All right, next one. I'm I'm totally just diverting to you on this one because I have no idea. I'm not touching it. But Coastal, without their starting quarterback, they just got absolutely throttled last yeah. week. Oh, they got completely eviscerated. I, I actually watched like the first quarter and a half of this game, and then I turned it off. I was like, these guys got nothing for James Madison. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was a complete beatdown, and they are they're facing Troy in the Sun Belt Championship here. Now Troy's laying eight and a half. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I would lay those points based on what I saw last week. I mean, am I am I crazy? No, I would too. I, Troy's a really good team. Um, Troy's ten and two. Their losses are to Old Miss and App State on a last second hail mary. Uh, <laughs> week that, two man. or three. Uh, Troy's really good. They they've been wrecking people. And yeah. Coastal just got done getting just splattered against a wall. Um, yeah. I just, I think without, uh, they're, you know, without McCall, they're not as good offensively. And on the back end, they're not very good defensively just in general. So uh, I hate to say it, but I think the shots maybe catch a whoop in here. Yeah. I know that hurts your pride there. Yeah, that just hurts your soul, man. So. <laughs> I I wouldn't touch that game if I like I said gun to my head based on what I saw last week I would take the points with Troy here I just uh, I don't know that Coastal will be able to put up enough points to hang with them uh, let's talk about the American uh, Gus Bus the Gus Bus and uh, UCF are going to face Tulane here so Tulane wins that game last week they are laying three and a half here I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I would take the over fifty six and a half here again. Yeah. I would not touch the spread because it's uh, Gus Malzahn. Yeah. And whatever I bet, the opposite will happen. Same. Um, at UCF beat them um, in the bounce house. Uh, I must have been three weeks ago now. Yep. But this I bet one, on Tulane. Yeah. And this one's at Tulane. Uh, they're they're actually hosting. They got a little clarity on the coaching situation, right? Willie Fritz was rumored to be leaving uh, for about a full day. My suspect, I, I expect Tulane will win, but uh, I. Again, you know, miles on. He could come out and win by 17. He could lose by 21. Nothing would shock me. But I do think that they go over 56 and a half. Uh, I would have to agree there. I'm not talking about Fresno State and Boise State because honestly, I haven't watched either one of those teams play an entire game this year. So I watched a. Uh, I watched a Boise game in like week two, and I watched a Boise game la- not this week, but uh, previous. They look like a different team than two months ago. Yeah, because I watched them in the first week of the season against New Mexico State or something, Second, maybe the second week, and it was ugly. 
Yeah. It, it, I mean, they looked like shit. And I said to myself, like, their coaching staff's about to be in the transfer portal. Like, it's, it's yeah, going to get first, ugly. First month of the season, I watched them. I was like, boy, this is a this is a three and nine team. <laughs> um, you know, four and eight, depending on what FCS team they play. But they, they looked really good the other, I guess, two weeks ago now. I don't know that I've watched Fresno this year, but Boise looks like a completely different squad. And if I, I'm not, I'm not betting this game. If I did, I just based off of what I know, I'd probably lay the points with Boise. Well, if you're a listener, just so you know, the statistically speaking, the number one team in the country covering spreads since 2016 would be Fresno State. So, you know, take that for what you will. I, uh, I don't have a play on this game. It just, Fresno State's offense, I got questions. I, hell, even Boise's offense. Like, I just, I wouldn't touch this game. It's a uh, four o'clock kickoff. So I'll be busy watching the next game that is on here at the same time slot, which is uh, Georgia and LSU in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Big line here. It's up yeah. to 18 and a half now, Eric. It opened <sighs> at 16 and a half. It's up to 18 and a half. Is that enough points? I, I don't know. I, I go back to thinking of what, what LSU did and oh God, were they looking ahead? And then I'll tell you, Georgia for the first half last week against tech did not look like they should be favored by 18 and a half over anyone in the sec. Um, you know, they came out and much like Michigan, they just out physical them for a half and then just really kind of ground them into the, into dust. Um, and they ended yes. up winning, I think by 30, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I think Georgia covers this. Because I, you know, I think they kind of have slept walked through some games this year where they know that they're just better than the opponent, right? So you think back to Kent State or Missouri, yeah. And I think Georgia Tech is similar to that, even though it is a rivalry game. Um, I think the SEC championship game is different, especially given how they were favored in the SEC title game last year and got drummed. Uh, I think you're going to see a different Georgia team this weekend than you saw. On Saturday, I think you'll see a team that looks more like the squad that came out and played uh, Tennessee or yeah. Oregon. So I would lean Georgia minus 18 and a half. Hmm. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to stay away from the spread because I, I had the and the reason I'm going to do that is because I, I think it's pretty, pretty well established here that Kirby does not care about style points. Nope. He does not care. He's more than happy to beat a team 17 to seven. <laughs> And just, I would lean on the under 50 and a half here because I think LSU's defense is good enough to at least slow them down and not just let them do whatever they want like they did against Tennessee, you know, or yeah. Florida or you know, X team. Yeah, South you know, Carolina. I, yeah, South Carolina, another one. You Like they just, I think LSU can at least slow them down enough to just not let them do what they want for four quarters or at least three and a half. So I would lean to the under 50 and a half here because I just don't have any faith in LSU's offense to be able to score points on Georgia. And, you know, I'm going to go for a more defensive game here. And I'm going to say, you know, Georgia wins to the tune of something in the nature of, you know, 24 to 10 ish, you know, something along those lines, maybe a late touchdown there for LSU. So, I'm just going to take the under 50 and a half and roll with it. Okay. LSU has zero fucking chance to win this game. Is that correct? Uh, I wouldn't say zero. I, it's less than 10% probably. I mean. Okay. All right. Well, well here, yeah. uh, let, let's let's put some math to use here. They are uh, plus 590 on the money line. So 
<laughs> yeah, so Vegas thinks that they have about a 16% chance to win. Mm. Personally, I think it's lower. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a little high. It's a little higher than I would place it. So but, I would place um, it at like 1%. But, yeah, I think if you're looking, you know, come up with a list of teams that are best equipped to keep Jaden Daniels from doing Jaden Daniels things. It's it, it might be uh, Georgia end of list. Like as far as just the overall team speed up front to keep him somewhat contained. Indeed. All right. So last two here, uh, (laughs) this game, good God. Yeah. Clemson took themselves out of the playoff conversation this past weekend with a loss to South Carolina, but nonetheless, they do have a chance to win 11 games here and win the sec and get themselves a new year six bowl bid. So uh, Clemson and North Carolina, Clemson is laying seven and a half here. I uh, believe this is in Charlotte. Is that correct? I uh, believe so. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm like so, 99%. So I, I don't know what the weather is going to be, but if it's going to be even remotely bad, I would lean to the under 63 and a half here. And I know North Carolina can't stop a soul, but Clemson can actually stop someone occasionally. You know, they I think can. last week is a little bit of an outlier. I think, so. I mean, if you, <laughs> honestly, if, if South Carolina and North Carolina got on a field right now, I would pick South Carolina to thump them. I don't know about thump them. I think I would pick them. I think they're a better, more balanced team. But Clemson still all year has has looked mediocre at best offensively. Now, yeah. they'll look better against North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina's uh, good at making other teams' offenses look yeah. good. Now, and North Carolina, I don't want to say better – their defense has gotten less bad over the course of conference play this year. They're still, they've kind of transitioned from terrible slash god awful to bad, like regular bad. Yeah. Um, so if the weather is okay, yeah, the over is attractive. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't have enough faith in Clemson's offense that they're going to win by more than a touchdown. So I'm going to take UNC plus the seven and a half points. Oh, man. Whew. That's what I'm talking about. Interesting. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just jump on the other side of it, just so we have a competition here for the week, because I think we're both going to agree on the next one. Yeah, I'll, I'll take Clemson minus the seven and a half here. Let's see if I can get anything better than that. If I were a North Carolina better. Uh, nope. I can get a minus seven. For yeah. Clemson, and, but, and just uh, getting the seven and a half for me personally, I like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't touch it probably if it was seven, because that's just, a push waiting to happen kind of feels like, but if you can get to that seven and a half, it's becomes a lot more attractive for me. So I'll take that. Yeah. So for me, I mean, a push is a loss here for us on this show. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and lay the seven and a half there with Clemson and uh, see what happens. But uh, I, I still, I just, I don't think North Carolina wins that game, but I could be wrong, man. I mean, Drake may is amazing. You know, he's a great player. Uh, If he comes out and, has a really good game, then there'll be a lot of Heisman hype for him next year, you know? So we'll yeah, see and, that. And there should be. He's had a fantastic season. Yeah, he's been really good. So uh, last one, Purdue, Michigan. Purdue's eight and four. <laughs> no they, chance. Yeah, no chance. Now, these guys uh, might actually have zero chance to win their, their conference title. <laughs> but do they, though? I mean, fucking Purdue? Michigan, no, Michigan almost lost to Illinois, dude. I mean, they are not, you know, just a lock to beat anyone outside of like your Indiana's or, but if you're, if they're facing a good team, they're not a lock to beat any good team. Cause I mean, they, I think they, they are a lock to beat Purdue. 
Purdue's defense so. and Illinois' defense are are not That's the same true. thing. That's true. Um, and I mean, they're not at home, but they are in a dome. So, uh, you know, yeah, this in game's theory, in maybe, so. maybe Purdue can throw the ball. I mean, they're going to try, certainly. We'll see. Well, I can get you plus 17 if you want to bet on Purdue. I don't want to bet on Purdue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, no, uh, think, yeah. We, we've been saying all year, we've been using the term sacrificial lamb all year. I don't see any Indeed. reason to stop now, right? Indeed. Fighting Harbaugh's will win by 17 points or more. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Man, should they be number one? Go ahead and say it. Should they be one over Georgia? Yes. No. I think you can. I think you can make an argument, like with how they beat Penn State and how they beat Ohio State. Yes, their mm-hmm. their non conference is kind of trash, but UConn ended up getting bowl eligible, um, even though Hawaii <laughs> does stink. Yeah, the the UConn out of conference game looks better than it did two months ago. Well, I mean, Georgia's non conference sucks too. Right. I mean, they and both they, played trash non conference schedules, so they're the one and the same to me as far as resume. Well, goes. I mean, you look at out of conference. Best out of conference opponent, yes. Oregon is a better out of conference opponent than UConn, um, but you know Michigan also didn't get you know Vanderbilt and who else? Samford, Kent State. Um, you know some. I think Michigan would thump Oregon personally, but uh, uh, probably. I, yeah. I, I think you can make an argument that Michigan has their best wins are better. So I don't know. It's kind of tomato. Really, I think how they get seated might have a lot more to do with who gets seated three and four. Yeah. So they, what do you uh, What do you think about the total fifty one and a half? I don't. I don't. Not touching it because no, it opened not, at forty eight and a half, and it's up to fifty one and a half. I could. I mean, I could see Purdue maybe get a big play here or there and get up to you know seventeen or twenty, but Michigan is just going to pound them into the ground. So yeah. really, the total would depend on how much Michigan feels like scoring. And I think to get over, <laughs> Purdue would need to hit a couple of big plays. I don't know that they can. I'm not confident enough to touch the total, but I do think they win big. Yeah, because, you know, it it, it begs the question, like, where are they better suited? Like, if they go out, you know, say Georgia goes out and screws around and wins a close game over LSU and Michigan goes and just destroys Purdue. Do they jump Georgia and get to number one? And if so, do they now have a better matchup playing the number four team? So it's just, it's not like they're playing for nothing, I guess, you know. No, it's not. I I mean, they are playing. I think style points do do matter here. They might. Both of these teams, to be clear, are in right now. Oh, yeah. There's no way. Well, there's maybe a way. If they go out and lose by four touchdowns, maybe. But, um, you know, they're both in and they're playing for seeding, which in their case, specifically in Georgia's case, is more about location than opponent. Correct. Um, so how they get seated, the, I could see where, you know, depending on how what happens with TCU and USC, uh, and also depending on who's five and who's six between Alabama and Ohio State. You know, if one of those teams loses and Ohio State happens to be fifth tonight when the TV show hits – and they're going to move them up to four. I think they would avoid having a Michigan-Ohio State semifinal, and they would just keep Georgia at one, regardless of how the championship games go. Would be my guess. Yeah, that'll be that will be interesting. And uh, since we are, and since we're on the back end of the show now, we can go ahead because those rankings are out. And uh, 
It is as I expected. Uh, Ohio State is at five. So Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC at four. Ohio State is at five. Alabama, Tennessee, Penn State at six, seven, and eight. So Alabama probably out of the playoffs unless USC and TCU were to lose. I just don't see a way that they get in with two losses. It looks like if there is a team that ends up jumping in there, it will be Ohio State. So. Which I kind of thought that's how, just on the the virtue of the one loss versus two and arguably the better win or better best win. Um, You know, there's a lot of competing thoughts about how you lose, how much you lose by, who you lose to. I I get all that, but I kind of expected, I guess, uh, Ohio State to be five. Yeah, it's funny too, because if you you put them on a neutral field right, right now, Alabama would be favored. That's what's funny. Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. It'd be by much though. No, it wouldn't be by much. I mean, it would be, I would say three and a half, four, you know, probably something in there. It mm-hmm. would be a little more than a field goal. I think, um, depending on where the game was, you know, if it's in Atlanta or something like that, which I mean, who knows? We, if USC and TCU win this weekend, then we may see Alabama. Yeah. That doesn't Ohio matter. It's five and six. In, yeah. It doesn't matter. And you know, there's a good chance that Alabama may be playing like Clemson in the orange bowl or something, you know, someone like that. So we'll see, but uh, yeah, so that's the current playoff rankings at one through four and the rest will be revealed this weekend. So uh, Eric, you got anything before we close out? Uh, did you make a pick on Michigan Purdue? I did not. No, I'm going to leave that leave one it? alone. Okay. And just I just didn't know enjoy. if I missed it and write it down. No, nope, I'm good. I'm just going to enjoy Michigan. All right. Well, there. I'm looking forward so, to uh, you know, hopefully Oh, go ahead. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be hilarious if the spoiler makers just like th- uh, came up there and won and just like TCU and USC lose and it's just complete and utter chaos? It would be chaos. Michigan still stays in, and then you get. I mean, that outcome wouldn't get Ohio State or Alabama in. You'd end up with, uh, I guess, you'd end up with Purdue and. Well, if USC loses, they are out. If they lose, they're out. Right, and then they go to the Rose Bowl against Purdue yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. yeah. Which would not be an enjoyable game to watch. No, no, it would not. It's yeah. Man, I, I it's find myself rooting for certain outcomes based on how the how the bowls matchups would, would end up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of honestly like selfishly, yes, I would love to see my team get in, but also as a general college football fan, selfishly, I would love to see it stay this way because you've got four major conferences represented mm-hmm. and you know, yes, the ACC's out, but the ACC doesn't deserve it. They suck this year. They've been down. They're terrible. It's just, ugh, it's gross outside of Florida state and arguably Clemson. But you know, you got four major conferences represented here. I think Georgia USC would be a really interesting matchup if it stays this way. And I think Michigan TCU, I'm not sure that would be very interesting. I, I don't know that TCU can stop them. Uh, that would that yeah. would be that would be a uh, interesting matchup. It's it's one of those that I kind of would rather see. I think the college football he, playoff generally has at least one semifinal game that is a three score affair, and I think yes. that would be one of them. And uh, well, I think if it stays the way it is, it may be two of them. It would not shock me to see Georgia just thump USC. You know, they can't stop anybody. So, 
and I don't really think TCU can either. So I think at this point, it really doesn't matter what anybody else does. I think Michigan and, and Georgia are going to be in the national title. I mean, or am, am I crazy to I think would, that? Well, I would tend to agree. I, I think they would yeah. be, be the clear favorites in, in that 14 field or any other really, but yeah. And that would well, be an interesting one to watch. Indeed, it would be. Man, old school football. That's what I'm hoping to see. I hope with, I hope yep. between the two of them, they throw like five passes. Yeah, 70 run game. plays. Bring it. <laughs> yes, I love it. All right, well, when we reconvene, we will know the playoff matchups, and we will know all the good stuff, man. So uh, we'll be back with you next week. We'd like to thank our corporate sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook, for supporting our show. And if you are a listener and you have not, uh, left us a five-star review or a uh, written review on either Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on, please go do so. It will help us get to more people like yourself who enjoy the show. So until next week, we will go watch some football and uh, everybody stay safe and take care. And we'll catch you with our playoff previews and bowl game uh, mania next week. See you then. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day.